what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daydon Tolbert Show. I am your host, Daydon Tolbert. Uh, this is my post-Valentine's Day Ask Daydon Advice uh, special. Uh, this afternoon, I want to talk a little bit about um, a lot of things, actually, but I want to talk about the uh, do's and don'ts of dating, um, you know, what's okay, what's not okay, uh, red flags, things of that nature. Uh, but there are also some uh, current events that I want to uh, touch on, a lot of them, actually. Um, obviously, this big uh, mass shooting uh, on, on Valentine's Day. Um, I want to talk about gun control. I want to talk about just, you know, that debate that we always seem to uh, have every time uh, one of these tragedies takes place. I want to talk about, uh, everyone's talking about AR-15s and, you know, should they be banned and, and different gun legislation that needs to come uh, moving forward. So I want to just offer my opinion on you know, on that whole uh, discussion. Um, Donald Trump has proposed a, uh, you know, a cutting back of the food stamps program, you know, the budget for the food stamps. And I want to talk about that. That's, uh, you know, on, on a lot of people's minds, you know, a lot of people receive uh, public assistance, things of that nature. And so I want to just talk about what that might look like if that legislation goes through. Um, today, I also want to talk about the, the monumental, historic release of uh, Black Panther. That's coming out this weekend. A lot of people have been talking about it. People have been waiting for it. I want to just, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to uh, just talk about it, talk about what it would mean uh, for, for the movie industry, what it means for our community, um, you know, what some of my predictions are surrounding, uh, you know, ticket sales and things like that. But more importantly, I want to talk a little bit about what we can do as a community to um, not just support things that are popular, you know, things that will are, are cool, so to speak. Don't get me wrong. Everyone should definitely go see Black Panther, but I want to talk a little bit about Marshall, you know, and, and movies like Red Tails and why those movies are not as popular or as widely supported, you know, Birth of a Nation why we as a community, as a people, don't, you know, we don't support our own. You know, we're, we're supporting, you know, fictional superheroes, but we actually have real heroes, you know what I'm saying, like actual heroes that uh, we've made movies about that have not been commercial successes. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. I also want to talk about The View, and this is something that I haven't, honestly, I haven't heard uh, enough people talking about. Um, Joy Behar's views and her comments regarding Christianity and Mike Pence and, you know, and how she compared uh, Christianity as a whole to mental illness. And I want to talk about that because I'm still angry about that. And, you know, I feel like, and I'll, well, I'll talk about it. I feel like anybody who's a Christian, anyone who proclaim, pro- proclaims Christianity as their religion, proclaims Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior should be, you know, you heard that, that should make you angry. That should not be okay. You should not be okay watching the view going forward. I've never seen anything like that. You know what I mean? I've never seen anyone blatantly insult, you know, millions and millions of people, an entire religion, and there really be no widespread uh, backlash towards that. But that, I guess that's just the you know, the day that we, that we live in. So um, those are some of the things I want to talk about today. Um, I got, a, you know, some Ask Data on Advice questions a little bit later I want to get into. Uh, hopefully I'll have time for that.
But, um, guys, today's show is brought to you by my new book, Redefining Greatness, The Virtuous Woman's Guide to Love. Look out for that a little bit later this year. And uh, Valentine's Day, Day just passed. So order your copy, if you haven't already, of my first novel, The Love We Had, which is on Amazon, Kindle, all that good stuff. Um, where should I start today? I'll start off with, you know, in this shooting, you know, it's never okay. It never becomes normalized. Um, it's always a tragedy. It's always upsetting when you see people gunned down, but specifically, you know, kids, um, you know, young people being targeted by obviously sick and deranged individuals, which is, you know, we, we there. Don't get me wrong. There absolutely needs to be things done, uh, systems put in place, legislation put in place, to significantly decrease these uh, number of shootings. I think this was the 18th time that weapons have been fired on a school, in, you know, since the beginning of the year, and um, that's that's way too much, you know. And I don't know what needs to happen you know, security protocols, but this is getting crazy. Um, So definitely continue to pray for those kids, pray for those families, everyone affected uh, by that. And that was down in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School uh, in Florida. And seven, they're saying 17 are are dead, um, many more injured, and that's an absolute tragedy. Pray for those families, pray for those individuals. Pray for the shooter, you know, just because obviously he's he's dealing with some obviously serious, serious mental issues. All that being said, one of the things I said on Facebook last night was that, you know, you look at the news, you turn on the, the radio, the TV, and literally there are countless, specifically black men, a lot of just people in general, but specifically African-American men, literally are shot dead daily. Um, shot, injured, killed, um, and there's crickets, you know. And I think I mean, this is a problem. If you really think about it, this is a major problem. It's hypocritical. It's a double standard. You don't hear this gun debate every day. Someone say, well, why would we hear it every day? Well, why not? You know what I mean? If literally hundreds of people are shot every single day, you know what I mean? We have 17 people, and this isn't to minimize anything that happens with these mass shootings, but if you have 17 people killed, ask yourself, were there 17 people killed yesterday? Will there be 17 people killed today in different parts of the, the country, different cities and things like that? I'm pretty sure the answer to that question is yes. So I would just like to have some equality. You know, if 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 we are killing each other, if we are being killed every single day in these hoods, you know, these not-so-good cities, why can we not have this same conversation outside of a, a mass shooting? You know, that's just a question that I have. Why, why does it have to be after some kids get shot up, you know? And, and that's my question. Why can we not talk about AR-15s or semi-automatic handguns or, you know, whatever the, the gun of choice is let's have this conversation all the time. But the problem with it is we don't even have the funerals of these kids yet. And you got these lobbyists, you got these politicians seeking office. Everybody wants to make a name for themselves. 
So that's when they come out of the blue talking about, oh, we need to do this and that. We need to ban this. We need to do that. And it's, they're just talking points. They're, ju- they're just sound bites. It, it's just an opportunity to advance careers, to get, you know, front page on CNN. I mean, think about it. Can we at least bury the kids first before you go crazy talking about legislation? I mean, there's a time and a place for that. But can we at least mourn? Can we at least offer support for the families? You know, do they need anything? How do they feel about uh, the media sensationalizing their death, this tragedy, you know, for political advancement? So let's just chill out for a little bit before we even start that conversation. That that would be my advice. Let's have some compassion. But since we're talking about, since everyone's talking about it, let's talk about it from a from a real a real standpoint. And this isn't about liberals versus conservatives or or anything like this. this is just about common sense, right? And I'm a you know for those of you who don't know, I am a what I call a gun enthusiast. Um, I, I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe that uh, we should have the right to bear arms. Um, I believe that that right should not be infringed upon based on certain things, you know what I'm saying, certain tragedies. Do I believe that there should be uh, what, what's being called common sense legislation? Absolutely. Um, you know, but I, do, I also believe that you cannot take away the, the constitutional rights of law-abiding citizens because of one or two or many individuals decide that they want to go crazy. And if that was the case, we, I mean, we wouldn't have any rights. There's always going to be people doing crazy things. So we're not just going to start banning, you know, whatever because of a few crazy individuals. Now, I looked up some statistics. A lot of people are talking about the AR-15. I don't know why that's – I guess that was the gun used yesterday. Um, but – and that's the gun used in, in, you know, in many uh, crimes, uh, many of these shootings. But what people need to understand is from 1987 to 2017, the number one most highly used weapon in in these mass shootings was semi-automatic handguns. Basic handguns, whether it's 9mm, 45 caliber, uh, 22 caliber, it's it's semi-automatic handguns, just regular guns, okay? And so it's it's not – a lot of people, you you know, are feeding into this media-driven narrative that, you know, it's these assault rifles and it's these, you know, AR-15s, things like that. I mean, don't give me, those are used. The vast majority of these shootings are basic handguns, people just getting guns and shooting up. The same guns that people are getting on the streets, the same guns that people are, you know, killing your local neighborhood drug dealer, you know, with, it's the same types of weapons. And so that's, that's the first thing we need to do. We need to look at what's actually happening, all right? Uh, the second thing is is that, I, like I said, I believe that we need to have legislation that doesn't just ban certain guns. It's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ban the AR-15. That, okay, you can, you can no longer buy that weapon anymore. Okay, what next? So someone says, okay, that's, I can no longer walk into a store and buy an AR-15, so I'm going to go buy, you know, another type of gun. You know how many types of guns you can buy? You know, I mean, I'm not even going to go into, 
You know what I mean? The, the, the all the different types. You can get shotguns, and I mean, it's, you can buy literally every, anything you want, whether it's on the internet, whether it's um, you know in the at the gun shows. <laughs> Go to a gun show and see how many types of crazy looking Terminator types of guns you see in it. And y'all worried about AR-15s? If someone is crazy, if someone has an agenda and a mission to kill, you're going to go kill. You know what I'm saying? It, it, the, the actual gun really is a – but then you can tell people who, are, who, who know about guns and then people who don't. Because anyone who knows about guns knows that that's a ridiculous argument. Anyone who wants to get their hands on a gun is just going to go get, get their hand on a gun, period. You're going to kill somebody, you're going to kill somebody. So what I believe that the le- – so it's not that we don't need legislation and gun reform. We need legislation that makes it harder to buy guns. You should not like – when I bought my gun many – my first gun many years ago, I didn't know what the process was like. I didn't know what I was going to have to do. I literally walked into a gun store. It didn't have a permit. Okay, I had no permit for a gun. I just wanted to go buy a gun. So I went to the store, looked around, and the guy showed me what – you know, helped me out, picked out a gun. I bought a gun, and I, he, he was, okay, fill this, fill this out. I filled out the application. Um, the application took me about five minutes to fill out. He said, all right, hold on. I got. I don't know who he called or what, you know, what information he ran, but he said, hold on. This guy make a call. He was on hold for maybe five minutes. I'm like, okay, you're good to go. So in a total of 10 minutes, 10 minutes total, I bought my first gun. You know, how much screening, how much background checks can you can you really do in 10 minutes? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But I don't believe that process is efficient. Now, fortunately, I'm not crazy. Fortunately, I'm not a killer. So, you know, everything worked out in my case. But someone else who may have mental issues, I think they should have to go through a little bit more of a process uh, before buying a gun. That's just my thoughts. So yes, you know, let's let's ramp that up. Let's let's make some more stringent uh, gun re- uh, legislation and regulations put in place to make it less easy. I also believe that we need to have tougher penalties for straw purchases. For those of you who don't know, a straw purchases, you know, you want to go kill somebody, but you have a record, so you ask me to go buy a gun for you. You give me some money. You buy the gun, and that gun is now circulating on the streets, a brand-new, fresh gun, no bodies on it, you know, or your girlfriend goes in and, and buys a gun for somebody else because she has a clean record and, you know, goes through that same 10-minute process. That's that, that, Those people buying those purchases for that purpose should be put in jail for a long time. Let's really put these people under the jail, you know, for the, these these crimes. You know, we're way too lenient on, on, on gun uh, crimes. So I believe that's where we need to start. But banning, you know, AR-15s or banning, you know, handguns, I mean, it's just not, it's not constitutional and it's not, it's not fair. And it's not, more importantly, it's not going to solve the problem, okay? You can go, everyone's talking about these gun, gun show loopholes. You know, if you know about gun shows, you go to a gun show. I bought a gun at a gun show. I told you about my first, but then I bought another weapon at a gun show. Now, that process, they, there is no process. They just sell you the gun. And they got, they have basically, it's a, a show full of vendors. 
They're just trying to make their money back for the vendor's fee. So you literally say, oh, hey, well, let me look at this. Okay, I'll take it. All right, cool. How you want to pay, cash or credit card? That's how I, like, literally there was no process whatsoever. And so that's what a lot of people are doing. So whatever needs to happen uh, from those, from that perspective, let's eliminate that so that weirdos like this guy down in Florida or, you know, whoever, they can't just go in and buy these guns. But aside from that, we need to just, you know, start being more aware of the real problems. You got conservatives, you know, on one side, you got liberals on the other side, and everyone's pushing an, an agenda. But instead of pushing an agenda, let's actually try to solve the problem. That would be my advice. Let's stop arguing. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. Everybody gets caught up in this whole liberal versus conservative. It's not about that. It's all fake anyway. But aside from that, no one's worrying about actually fixing the problem. Nobody wants to lose voters. Nobody wants to piss off their base. But when you get caught up in the, in the politics of it, meanwhile, kids are dying. You know what I mean? These tragedies continue to happen. I just watched that Lifetime movie with uh, Tony Braxton, and that was, you know, about that whole, you know, active shooter situation. Good movie if you guys are looking for something to watch on, uh, on Lifetime. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, you know, somebody asked me online, um, you know, why do I have guns and why do people need these types of guns? Listen, it's not about what you need. I don't ask you, why do you need to drive a BMW? Why do you need to wear Gucci? Why do you need to do – it's not about what people need. And that's a very common um, criticism of this whole gun thing, but my guns are legal. You see what I'm saying? If you want, if, if you have a wife or something that – likes handbags, you like Gucci, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, this and that. I'm not going to say, hey, why do you need all those bags? That's what you want. That's your right to buy what you want to buy. So if somebody wants to collect basketball cards, if somebody wants to collect uh, knives and swords and ancient artifacts and coins, and whatever you want to collect, somebody wants to collect guns, as long as you're responsible with those guns, that should be, that's your right to do that. You can, it's not constitutional to punish people who, who work hard for their money, you know, and choose to buy and, and indulge in whatever hobby they want to indulge in. My, my, I, I have an AR-15. I have the same exact gun that is, was used in this shooting. But guess what? Mine is somewhere safe. It's never been shot before. You know what I'm saying? I'm not crazy. I'm not going to go shoot up a school. I'm not, you know, should I not be allowed to have I love having it. If it's a problem, like, you know what I mean? It's all good. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not, I'm not going to be irresponsible with that. So why should I be punished, you know, for having that or for wanting to have not just that, but all types of weapons? I'm not going to come into your house and tell you what, what, what collection you can't have. Because somebody decided they, I mean, what about a knife collection? Somebody goes on a stabbing spree. Okay, we're going to ban all knives. Just think about that. Um, what else is going on? That's just politics. There's a lot of things going on in politics right now. Um, Donald Trump, as I mentioned earlier, um, has been doing, you know, he's been taking a lot of, um, you know, controversial steps. He, you know, been trying, he's doing a lot of different things that um, are getting the attention of the, of the media. Donald Trump has said that he wants to significantly cut uh, the food stamp program. And we were talking about this over in the Friends of the Data on Holbrook Show group uh, earlier this week. And um, 
you know, I you know, what were my thoughts on it? He wants to institute, like, he wants to cut the budget, slash it almost by half, and and to make up that difference, he wants to replace the funding with basically, you know, with box foods and um, you know, government milk and different things like cheese and cereals and things like that that are a lot less expensive. Um, you know, my my and that and from what I'm told that will he said that will cut uh, or basically save taxpayers billions and billions of, of dollars over the next uh, ten years or so. I mean, I, here's my thing. Um, we I had this whole conversation about um, minimum wage a few weeks ago here on the show, and I'll say the same thing about food stamps. When you are relying on someone or something, you know, you you basically are are at their disposal. If you if you choose, first of all, we all should know by now, the United States government is not here for us. It's not here to be your friend. It's not here to put money into your pocket. It's not here to support you. It's not even here to help you. The United States government has an agenda of profit. It's a business for profit. That's what the government is here for. So if you live, and I'm not knocking anyone's lifestyle, but if you live your life depending on the government to help you, you're in big trouble. If you're sitting around waiting for social, you know, waiting to retire so you can just hang out on social security and get public assistance and this and that, you're going to be in big trouble. Okay, if you if you live your life just hoping and, and um, relying on food stamps and other forms of public assistance, you're going to be in big trouble. And I'm not knocking anybody. How you live is how you live, but that's just not the purpose of the government. That's not what they're here for. You know what I'm saying? You would be it would be in everyone's best interest if you know to do what you can do to get off of public assistance, to get off of the re- relying on food stamps, um, social security. Do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Everyone, you know, I, I understand that everyone doesn't have the means, you know, handicap, disability, things like that. But I'm just saying, do what you can do. Because the government is not here for you. So for me, it's like a moot point. It's like with me, I'm just the way my mind is set up, the way my hustle is set up, if the government says, okay, hey, you're on food stamps, so we're now going to cut your benefits by 50%. Okay, that's fine. You can, matter of fact, just take it all. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll go get a second job. I'll get a third job. I'm a survivor. I'm a hustler. I'm not going to rely on the government to feed my family. Like I said, but they, that's just me. And if you don't have that type of mentality, then I can understand this debate. But I'm not even going to worry about what Donald Trump decides to do, what Obama decided to do, what anyone else coming forward next uh, decides to do. You got to do what's best for you and your family. Stop relying on the government to put food in, in your on your plate, clothes on your back. That's my. That's how I feel about that. All right. I feel like you know, it, does he? Should the government be able to regulate? Uh, you know, what kinds of foods people eat. I mean, it, it's the government's money. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I, I mean, I get it. Like I said, I used to get food stamps when I was in college, but that was more so like a hustle. You know what I mean? Like everyone got food stamps in college. That was just what people did. You know what I mean? But it's like if somebody says we're going to now cut this back, all right, the, the, the jig is up. Like we got to move on to something else now. 
You know, and that's just what it is. What are you going to get mad? And that's the thing about it. People just like to get mad about things. You know, get mad about things that they have absolutely no control over. The government wants to cut your benefits. Okay. Like, I, for example, I know people who, who uh, have this hustle going with the whole, well, they used to, but they, they cut that back. But the whole um, unemployment, it's like, go get a job. You get mad that they cut unemployment. Now you can no longer sit at home and, and chill and get a check for like five six hundred dollars a week, and you're mad about that. Like, all right, fine, you got it for six months. That's cool. Now, now go get a job. I've been on unemployment before. It was nice. You get your hustle on and get a check. You know what I mean? There's a lot of ballers out here on unemployment. But now they say, okay, you know, we 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 caught on. We're gonna we're gonna eliminate that. All right, don't get mad, but get your hustle off. That's just me, though. People are mad, like, oh, man, Trump wants to take away my food stamps. Well, just go get a job. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a different type of dude. What else? You know, uh, black. like I said, if you're just tuning in, and shout out to people on uh, on Facebook Live. I see you guys on there. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, for me, are not about money. You know, to me, it's about the principle. Um, I want to talk about Black Panther. You know, Black Panther, first of all, let me just say this. Black Panther, while it's going to be commercially successful, while it's going to be historic, while it's going to be iconic, Black Panther is not a black movie. Okay? Let's, let's just be clear about it. Like, let me just explain. Because a lot of people really think Black Panther is a black movie. First of all, a lot of people think it's the first black superhero. It's not. It's not definitely not the first black superhero movie. Blade, if anything, was a black superhero. Wesley Snipes, um, you know, did that many years ago. Uh, but in the same way that that uh, Black Panther is being done, you know, by a major white studio and a black actor and black cast, made, you know, things like that. Um, but and Blade was not a black movie either. Um, just like Hidden Figures was not a black movie. A lot of people are talking about Hidden Figures. And these are not black movies. But people, Birth of a Nation, guys, was a black movie. What what differentiates a black movie from a white movie with black actors or a black storyline? Well, let me tell you, the difference is. When you have a black movie, a black movie is a someone like myself. Let's just use me. So, you know, I want to make a film. You know what I'm saying? I want to make a film. So I'm going to ask, you know, you to donate some money. I'm going to ask somebody else to give me some money. I'm going to ask your, your mom to give me some money. So all these people are giving me money to help me make this film. I'm going to pay my actors. I'm going to pay the producers. I'm going to pay the cinematographers, the editors. You know, I'm going to pay you know, whatever I need to pay for with this money from that I have and the money that you guys have given me, and so I'm going to make this movie. Let's say everything goes according to plan, and I make a really great movie, and then I go out and I, I pay some people to help me market it. And, and at the end of the day, I'm just trying to put the movie out there. I'm trying to get some, some of my money. I'm not going to get it all back, you know, most likely, but I'm just trying to get the film out there. And so – you guys go out and see this you know, this movie. You know, that is what you call a black film. Okay, I, I somehow secure a distribution for that film. 
that's me. And any money that I get back from you guys supporting and distribution and things like that, you know, now you have uh, helped me, uh, you know, get recoup some of you. Have, you have supported this black film. Why? Because I'm black and it's my film. I've done independently. Okay, that's that's what you call a black movie. All right, and that and those movies are are much 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 more important to support than these big budget movies that are going to be seen in you know thirty five to four thousand uh, theaters around the the country and even around the world. So, and again, I'm not. This is not anything against Black Panther because don't get me wrong, Black Panther absolutely is important and it's a long time coming. Uh, but it's, you know, people are confusing it. They're saying, oh, we got to go support this and this and that. And I mean, you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're supporting the same people who make, you know, uh, the rest of these, these white movies that come out every, every week, which is, again, it is what it is. It sends a, a, a different message that it, when we support, that, okay, wow, a white studio can uh, and should continue to make films with black actors and black cast and things like that. And so that, from that perspective, it's very important. Um, but to call it a black film uh, would be erroneous. So the issue that I have, and again, shout out to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, he played in, in, in 42, the, the Jackie Robinson film, the James Brown movie, Get On Up. Um, I just recently saw Marshall uh, this weekend. I didn't get a chance to see it before that. I was very uh, pleased with it. It was an entertaining movie uh, about Thurgood Marshall and his early life. Um, but that's the issue that I have. And if you guys have followed me over the last 10 to 12 years, you've heard me speak about this many times. We as a community have a serious problem supporting actual black movies. You know, we have a – first of all, it's, two, it's twofold. We have a problem supporting actual black movies, but then we also have a problem supporting movies about our historic leaders, whether they're black or not. We just don't support non-buffoonish, non-action-driven uh, things. Everybody and their mom is going to go see Black Panther. Why did every? But let them make a watch this. Why, let them make a movie about the actual Black Panthers. I guarantee you, it won't be as highly. Support is and that's that's actually kind of funny, you know. Let them make, and I even hear they're making a film about Huey uh, Newton. I guarantee you that movie would not be as successful by the uh, within the black community as Black Panther is absolutely guaranteed to be. You know why? Why did I don't even have the numbers in front of me right now? But just Google, just just Google right now. Why you listen? total domestic gross box office for Marshall, right? Just just Google. I'm willing to bet. And, again, this is just off the top of my head. I haven't even researched this. But I'm willing to bet it grossed total – the total national gross for Marshall, I'm willing to bet, was less than $50 million. I'd be shocked if it grossed more than $50 million. Now, as we all know, and I, I could be totally wrong. Maybe I'll Google it while I'm here on the, live on the internet. But I'd be shocked. It's not even a question. Black Panther has already surpassed 50 million, you know, and has even it just in pre-sales hasn't even come out yet. I think they're saying it's over 100 million already, just in just in pre-sales. 
It's the most highly pre-ordered uh, movie, period, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly the, the highest uh, pre-sale order total for any superhero movie. So this may actually go on to be the most successful movie in the history of film. We'll see how it goes. And I have no problem with that. I'm not here to take away from Black Panther. I will be right there seeing it. I cannot wait for it. It looks like a great movie. I watch all the superheroes. I'm not at all hating on the film. This has nothing to do with Black Panther, nothing whatsoever. But why? my problem is with us. Why movies like Red Tails, movies like Marshall, you know, movies like Malcolm X, movies like right now, Hidden Figures, somebody pointed out, they said, well, what about Hidden? They always, people always find like that one. Hidden Figures was, if I'm not mistaken, the highest, is like probably the highest grossing movie uh, about us, uh, the, uh, the highest grossing black biopic. Um, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it did somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 million, which is which is amazing. Straight out of Compton, um, did you know something similar to that? And what, what I, one thing I think we have to understand is that you know that's great. We should support that. But what people have to understand is that when movies go on to have that high level of success, that's when it achieves crossover appeal. You know what I mean? That's when the white folk are now have now caught on and said, you know, we're also going to see this film. A lot of people don't understand with the history of black, uh, black cinema is that, you know, that's what white people have always done. White folk have always gotten their source of entertainment from us, one, uh, inter- basically acting like clowns and coons and buffoons, you know, or it's overly sexualized stuff, or it's, um, you know, dr- the drug dealers, the, the whole criminal component, you know, it, but it's always something. Hidden Figures was somewhat of an anomaly. I'll, be, I'll admit that. It did not fit into the, uh, the, the normal movie that, one, that black folks support, and then, two, it's not the type of movie that historically white folks have supported for their source of entertainment. That's why I say it's an anomaly. But for whatever reason, it caught on. Maybe, and I'm just throwing this out there, possibly because of the popularity of Taraji P. Henson and the buffoonery that we see every week from her on Empire. And, and you know, it just happened to come out at the height of her popularity um, on Empire. But, again, you know, who knows? It could just be, like I said, that anomaly that we've never really seen before in the in the movie industry. But the, the main issue is overall cannot be denied and cannot be debated. We as a community have a serious problem not supporting our own, and we need to do better with that. And that's all I'm saying. But, you know, all that said, go out and see Black Panther support Chadwick Boseman. I hope there will be a sequel. I saw Black Panther in um, – what was that, Avengers or what was he, Captain America, whatever he first was in. I see all those films. And um, that's what we need to continue to do. But don't forget about Birth of a Nation. Don't forget. I mean, some of y'all haven't even still haven't seen Birth, Birth of a Nation, which is, to me, probably one of the best movies I've ever seen, certainly one of the best black biopics I've ever seen. But we need to support, you know, the Red Tails, the um, 
you know, the Ray Charles movies. And, you know, because, like, so what people need to understand is it's not, I mean, it's cool to watch it on DVD and, and, and on demand and all that stuff, but there is something to be said for actually going to the theater, letting people see, like, all right, it made X amount of money opening weekend. I tell this story every time I talk about it, but it took a white man to tell this, this story of the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, George Lucas made the film, and he said, look, this film is too rich in history. This story is too valuable to only be standalone film. He said, I need to make at least three of these Red Tail movies. He said, I need to make at least three. He said, I'm going to make at least three. He said, but look, I'm, I only have but so much money. He said, at the end of the day, I am a businessman. He said, for me to continue to make these films, which I absolutely want to do, he's like, if I can make multiple Star Wars movies, I can definitely, we need to tell multiple stories of, of, of these African-American heroes. He said, I want to do it, but it's got to be profitable. I can't just throw money down the drain. He said, so if, if Red Tails can make at least $20 million, $22 million opening weekend, he said, he's like, I'll keep them coming. You know, when is the who can who can answer? When is the next Red Tails sequel? When is the Red Tails sequel coming out? When is when is the the trilogy going to be completed? Well, no one knows. Well, the reason is because there is no sequel. Why? Because it didn't even make twenty million. <laughs> How crazy is that? You know what I mean? It didn't even the, a story of our heroes. Then he couldn't even get twenty million at the box office, but yet everybody and their mom is lined up to see Black Panther. That's a problem. That's an undeniable, undebatable problem with our community. It's a problem that literally no one is talking about, as if it's not a problem. But like I said, enjoy Black Panther. It'll be a great movie, and I plan on seeing it. What else? So. Like I said, this is my post-Valentine's Day special, if you guys are just joining. I want to talk a little bit later on, you know, in regards to dating and relationships, just some dating do's and don'ts, some red flags, things like that. Um, but a couple couple other things. we got some entertainment news. Um, and this really, like I said earlier in the show, really made me angry. I'm still angry about it today. And it's, you know, even makes me want to call her or, or write a letter or something. But this is just, um, i never seen anything like this. So I saw the, the post um, on uh, about The View and about Joy Behar from, from The View comparing Christianity to a mental illness. And I said, what? I said, no, nah, that's got to be fake news. Like, you, can, you can't have something like that. It's cra- I know things are crazy in today's society, but come on. You can't, how are you going to compare Christianity to mental illness? So I actually went on YouTube just to, just to actually see it. And so, and Whoopi Goldberg, I used to have respect for her, but she's she's just the worst. She's she's just the worst. Um, I can't stand her. I can't stand Joy, um, the light skinned black chick on there. I mean, she's she's okay. I really don't like her either. Um, but she's less she's less bad than the other two. But they're talking about Mike Pence, and basically talking about what Om- Omarosa had to say about Mike Pence and how um, he he she she was saying that he's worse than Donald Trump, and everyone's saying that Donald Trump should be impeached, should really think twice because that would mean Mike Pence would be in office, and he's, he's worse than, than Trump, and that's what started the debate with that, and, and they were saying, well, I don't think that everything should be about Christianity or your spirituality and this and that, 
And um, it was, she, and that's when Joy started mocking, mocking. He's like, whoa, and he, and, and you know, he talks to God, and God talks back. She's like, that's crazy. That's like a mental illness, you know. He's hearing voices in his head. I'm like, what? I said, first of all, everybody knows the entire, like, and if you're a Christian, you obviously know this and you've experienced this. God talks to us. First of all, we pray to God, right? You talk to God. But then when you have achieved the Holy Spirit, when you have achieved that relationship with, with God, then you're go- he's going to talk to you back through the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear his voice saying, don't do that or do this. I hear God talking to me all the time. So to so to say to 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 mock that experience, you know, as and minimize it as a as a a mental illness, or minimize it by saying it's hearing voices. No, it's not hearing voices. It's hearing the voice of God talking to you, which is a a staple, the foundation of Christianity as a whole. Something that billions of people practice. And this is literally one of, if not the leading, one of the leading morning talk shows in the country. And for people to hear this, and for this to be a big thing, and nobody's talking about, you know, boycotting it, or nobody, forget boycotting, people aren't even angry. How do you, how does that, as a Christian, how does that not make you angry? Someone mocking your faith. Somebody asked me. But back in the day, somebody asked me, uh, you know, well, actually people ask me all the time, but they said, why don't, why don't you like Obama? What issue do you have with Obama? And you know what? It's a lot of things that have, that have taken place over the years. But what really makes me really, 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 really dislike him, really, like outside of a political, um, you know, standpoint, is many, and you can probably find this on YouTube, but many years ago I saw a video, it's probably still on it, of him mocking Mocking Jesus and mocking the church and mocking his Jesus speaking to the people. He Obama was actually ironically in a church giving a speech, and I forget exactly the 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 uh, topic of this speech, but I remember him mocking the fact that um, you know just the basic Christian principles and and mocking Jesus. And I've never seen anything like that before from someone who claims to proclaim who claims. They are a Christian. And so, and you can probably, like I said, just Google Obama mocking Jesus on YouTube, and it probably will come up and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And, and just people like that or, you know, people like Joy Behar, you know, mocking Christianity is not something that I take lightly. And I posted the video of, of Mike Pence speaking about it, and I 100% agree with everything that he said. He totally was not okay with what she said and really called out others who claim to be followers of Christ. Like, how do you support that? You know what I mean? Like, for me, I, and I said, I'm a different type of person. I really don't care about popularity, okay? I don't care about, you know, people liking me or, or trying to fit in to a certain you know, group of people. I don't. I really couldn't care less about that. Um, and so, what I do is I try to just only surround myself with like-minded people. Uh, like some people say, well, you should be more tolerant of this and that, and you should, you know, if somebody feels this way, 
it's fine to feel differently, but it's not fine to be disrespectful. We live in a society now where so many people get their jollies from making fun and being disrespectful towards religion as a whole, but specifically Christianity. It's become cool. It's become sexy to be disrespectful to God. You ever notice back now, now you hear everybody and their mom, God damn. You, know, you, ever, you ever notice that? I don't know if you guys peep that. But back, that's no, if you notice, that's no longer a curse word. That's no longer blasphemy. I mean, it is blasphemy, don't get me wrong. But by me, the media standards, by society standards, that's no longer anything bad. You hear radio hosts say it. You hear it being said on, on sitcoms, on, on uh, reality shows. Like everybody and their mom's like, oh, God, man, man, man. It's like, when did that become okay? That used to be something that you bleep out. You know what I'm saying? Like on, on radio and on TV, you, somebody slipped up and said it or whatever, you would bleep that out because it was disrespectful to God. We live in a society where, not, where fewer and fewer things are being censored because of their offense to Christianity. Have you, I mean, am I the only person that's noticed that? You, I can't be. It's, 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 it's blatant. And so... I would I would hope that as believers, Christians, we we stop being so caught up in being socially correct, being politically correct, and focus more on being spiritually correct. Because you know, I, like I said, that's what I'm concerned about. I try not to care about what people think, but more so about what God thinks and about you know what I'm saying what what how my insides feel my. My conviction feels, and, and as a as a Christian, I heard Joy Behar speaking about that and mocking Mike Pence and, and, and Christianity as a whole. That wasn't okay. So that's what I want to say about that. Now, I was also there's also been a, a topic of debate. Well, this has been an ongoing debate, but pastors and you know what is okay and what's not okay. You know what I'm saying? What like as far as um their lifestyles as far as the cars that they drive, like what, where do you draw the line? For me, and I, like what's most recent uh, was this, the Mount Arid pastor in Pittsburgh. He was, I forget his name, but he basically, and I was actually at that church for my, my uh, frat brother's wedding actually several years ago. And he, uh, the pastor there was in the headlines recently for getting the new Bentley truck which they say retails for about $230,000. They say, well, you know, first of all, how can a pastor afford that type of, you know, money or that type of vehicle? Um, you know, there must be some type of impropriety going on. Um, for, for, but aside from that, it's, it's basically if you are a man of the people, if you are, you should be living a, a modest lifestyle. Um, you should be not focused on being flashy and why do you need that? I mean, I don't, first of all, one, I don't subscribe to any of those things. You know what I'm saying? I feel like if you are a true man of God, if you are, and I'm not into the whole prosperity preaching and this and that. I'm not into that. But I do believe that if you work hard, whatever, like if your job is being a pastor, like if your job is a banker, and you make $200,000 a year, $100,000 a year, 
You work hard for your money. You should be able to drive a nice car if that's your job. You know what I'm saying? If you have a certain type of job and you worked hard to get a certain type of job so you can have certain types of things, then go ahead. You know, then get what you want to get. As long as you're an honest person, hey, do what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Now, if, if being a pastor is your job, meaning that's what you do that full time, and, and, and even more so in my opinion, if that's what you do, why can't you go ahead and you get a salary, you have a board of trustees and, you know, you have, uh, you know, people who have collectively decide, not just you, but collectively have a, uh, decided on a salary for you, whether it's $70,000, $100,000 a year, whatever your salary is that has been approved by that deciding board there in that church. And however you decide to live, whatever car you decide to drive, what vacation you decide to take, if, if it's within your salary, why is that a problem for somebody else? Just because their job, you know, is, is different from your job. There's people out here waiting on their tax return so they can go out and buy a new car. I sell cars. I'm waiting anxiously. I got cars on deck waiting to sell people. There's so many people waiting for their tax return. Oh, I can't I call you. So I can, okay, cool. Call me. You know what I mean? Let, hit me up. If y'all are ready to go waiting to buy a car, that you want, that you've waited all your life for, why can't someone else that works hard, that is a man of God or a woman of God, and they, they work hard, they sacrifice blood, sweat, and tears to, into that church, into the community, and they, they're giving all their tithe and they're doing this and that. Why can't they reward themselves? I work hard. Why can't I have a nice car? Why can't you have a nice car? Why can't your pastor have a nice car? As long, and that's, see, as long as that's the problem, here's the real problem here. Let's get to the, the point of it. The real problem here is with people who really don't even have a relationship with God themselves. So they can't even fathom how so, there must be something wrong there. He must be crooked. He must be stealing from the church. He must be out here cheating on his wife, doing this and that. He must be. He, there's no way God could bless him with all that because they themselves are not being blessed. I mean, that, let's keep it real. That's what's really going on here, isn't it? I mean, the, the main people, I mean, there aren't, the people who go to that church aren't the main ones criticizing him, or otherwise I'm sure they would leave that church. The main people criticizing people like Creflo Dollar for wanting a jet and, and this guy a, a, in Pittsburgh for driving the Bentley truck is because they themselves don't even have a relationship. The vast majority of people criticizing don't even go to church. They'd like, I, I mean, I've even heard people say, they've even said, well, see, that's why I don't even go to church. Like, what? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You don't even go to church, and you're criticizing what somebody else does in their church. How much sense does that make? You don't even go. What is your pastor doing? Wait, you don't even have a pastor. And you're worried about what another pastor is doing. Now, here's the third thing to, to factor into this. The third thing that, to keep in mind is that a lot – now, the, the Bentley truck is the Bentley truck. That's 230 brand new, what, no matter what you want to do about it. I mean, that's just how much that costs. But I, I sell cars. Like, I'm, I'm a dealer, so I go to all these dealer auctions and this and that. Like, a lot of these cars that you see people driving are not as expensive as you think. You know, you can really go out and buy a Bentley right now for twenty thousand dollars, 
You know what I mean? It's not that expensive. You know, we mean how can you do that? Like literally, I could go buy a Bentley tomorrow for for about fifteen to twenty thousand a Bentley convertible. You see me posted up on Instagram or somewhere driving down the street in a in a drop top Bentley, you oh my gosh, he must be doing this and that. No, it didn't really cost that much. It's probably like a O three, O four with like sixty, seventy thousand miles, or maybe even higher than that, but you don't know that. And it looks brand new and it's a Bentley. And it cost me about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. Now retail it might cost somebody else about forty thousand, fifty thousand. But I'm saying if you if you have the right connections, you can go get a Bentley, you go get a Rolls Royce, probably go get you can get a Lamborghini for about sixty, seventy thousand dollars. It's not that hard to do. You know, some of y'all don't even realize you out there spending maybe your credit's bad, y'all out there buying brand new twenty fifteen Kia Sportages and, and you could be driving a Bentley, you don't even realize. It. Brand new Kia Sportage probably cost you about thirty thousand dollars. And when you're done financing it, you done paid about fifty or sixty thousand dollars because your credit is jacked up. And you could be, you could just stack that up. You could save up, or just go get a, you know, get another high interest loan and go get you a, a little Bentley and Rolls Royce. A lot of people don't think like that. They got the nigga mentality. I'd rather have something brand new. You know what I'm saying? And people don't realize that. I was driving hundred thousand dollar cars. Years ago, you know what I'm saying? A lot of y'all saw it. Mean, y'all didn't know. Y'all didn't know they didn't cost me a hundred thousand, but it doesn't matter. It's, oh, he's got a nice car. Doesn't none of that matter. So my point is, just because you see your pastor driving, you know, a nice car, what you want him to drive a, a hoopty like you, and then you'd be talking about him too. You know what I mean? Old beat up. You know, he, he pulling out the lot, that thing smoking, cutting off. Then you be, then you really be talking about how is he going to lead the lead the flock, and his car shutting off on him. So he's damned if he does, damned if he does. So that's why, like I said, I don't care about people. You know, I'm gonna go buy what I want to buy, and I'm gonna encourage anyone else to buy what they want to buy. Just like Monique, I talked about y'all about Monique and this whole Netflix thing a couple of weeks ago on the show. People worried about she's out here worried about Amy Schumer and Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, this and that. Yo, leave, get out their pockets. Stop worrying about what they're making. If you want to make, you know, $11 million, then go get your hustle on, do what you got to do to get that same type of money. Don't hate on them. Don't complain. Don't go complaining. Just go get your money, however you can get it. So, but then again, like I said, I'm a different type of person. I'm a positive person. I'm not here to complain. There are people who wake up every single day complaining. And I told y'all, it's springtime coming up in a few weeks. I got to get y'all off my face. No no disrespect, but the, the complainers and the negative people who all they want to do is talk about Donald Trump and every status update is about something political. It's like, come on. I don't have time for that. If you're a negative person, don't don't come around me. You know what I mean? But, yeah, it's, it's getting crazy out here, man. Creflo Dollar, if he wants a plane, I don't go to his church. So to be quite honest, I don't care what he does. That's not for me to to scrutinize. That's for the finance committee to determine, hey, first of all, one, do you need a plane? Two, can you afford this plane? Three, what are you doing with this plane that justifies it? You know, if all those things add up, then, hey, go get a plane. 
You know, it is what it is. You know, let's talk a little bit about Valentine's Day. Like I said, this is my I do this every year. I do if you Google, you know, uh post Valentine's Day specials uh on the Day Don Tolbert show, you'll hear many, many, many uh Valentine's Day uh shows that I've done uh specifically discussing do's and don'ts, you know, how to avoid getting played, um, how to you know, just how to uh, you know, how to get what you ultimately want. Um I asked a question over in the friends group. You know, do you celebrate Valentine's Day? Um, you know, and you know, some people do. Most people said they did. Here's the thing. You know, I don't care if you celebrate it or you don't. But the reality is is that Valentine's Day, and we can talk about the pagan or, origins of it and this and that. I, I choose not to do that. For me, Valentine's Day is a, a, a holiday specifically set aside to, to spend time with the person that you love, you know, whether that's your husband, your wife, you know, your significant other, fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And, and then, you know, and if you are one of those people who feels the need to go out of your way to rain on other people's parades, you know, and talk about how, you know, what, what, it's, what the holiday is in and how it's not even a real holiday and why do you celebrate this and just being negative and cynical and condescending, you, you need to get a life. You know what I mean? Don't be mad that you don't have love. Don't be mad that you have historically not had love. It's not for you then. You know what I mean? You sit back and just be quiet until you do hopefully have love one day. But at the end of the day, don't knock somebody else because they want to take their their spouse out for, for a dinner and a movie or a concert or a play or whatever. You know, there's so many negative people out here. Stop being negative. And, and to be honest, that's the type of people that people don't even want to be around. If you're negative and, and upset all the time, always posting on Facebook, you're, that's why you're single. You got to be friendly. You got to be humble. You got to be happy. Nobody wants to be around negative, miserable individuals. So Valentine's Day is a day for happiness and a day for love. And, you know, if, if that's not you, just don't rain on other people's parade. So, one of the first things I wanted to say about uh, Valentine's Day was I said online, if I said, and this was for the ladies, I said, ladies, if your man, and I use that term loosely, has a million excuses as to why he can't spend Valentine's Day with you, then one, he's not your man. He's most likely spending it with someone else. And that's something people need to understand. Um, you know, if you, I don't care, I see some people. They claim they got these 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 guys. They're they're blue. They're bay. This and that. Listen, if he's always MIA, if you have no idea what you're doing for Valentine's Day, that is not your man. You are not in a relationship. Some men use Valentine's Day specifically as a to do the Wesley Snipes. Yeah, that's called the disappearing act. All right. They, they disappear and then they reappear on. Uh, they do the David Copperfield. They reappear uh, sometime around this weekend, uh, Saturday night. This coming Saturday night. This Sunday night. Oh, hey, what's up? Where you been? You know. And then what ends up happening is you take them back. You're pissed off for about a week, a few days, and then you take them back, give them some sex, and then the cycle continues. You've got to stop the cycle, ladies. 
if you are, and a lot of this is going to be found in my new book, Redefining Greatness, if you are the type of woman that's constantly giving sex, right, if that's just a part of your relationship, that's a part of your situation, he's not going to ever take you seriously. He's not going to view you in a serious manner. It's just going to continue to be what it is. It, listen to what I'm saying. It's impossible to go from a purely sexual situation to a loving situation. Now, before everyone gets all riled up, say, oh, that's how me and my man started this and that. My my girlfriend and her boyfriend, he was she was his jump off, and then now they're happily ever after. So you don't know what you're talking about. Listen, I know what you guys have seen. I've seen certain things, but the reality is those situations aren't what they seem. When it comes to men, a man must – he's going to view you in a certain way. If he views you as respectable and classy and special, then that's just what it's going to be, and his actions will show that. But a man is never going to disrespect you by making you his jump off, his booty call, and then somehow magically look at you as his, his future wife. That's not how it works. You know, it's, that's not how it works at all. It's how it starts is usually 99.9% of the time how it's going to end. And you, you got to respect yourself and you got to stop allowing yourself to be put into situations that take away from your level of respectability. All right. So but if he's, if he's MIA and then pops back up, he, first of all, he's having sex. Be clear. He's having sex with someone else. Okay, like you got to understand, it's not that he fell asleep on his mom's couch. It's not that he had to work. It's not that he had a business trip. He had sex with someone else, okay? And when he pops back up, he's now having sex with you. So you are now girlfriend number two, okay? That, so don't be naive. Don't be deceived. That's what's going on. Um, so I wanted to talk, I, wanted, I have a question, a really good question from a young woman who wrote in. Uh, and I want to read that. But first, there was a question that was posted in the Friends of the Day Down Tober Show group. Add, add yourselves. You're on Facebook, and, you know, you like the show. Add yourselves to the group, and, um, you know, you can participate in some of these discussions or, or not, or just watch and listen and kind of lurk. That's, that's perfectly fine, too. Um, but there was a question that was posted, and it was in regards to – I think uh, I think Tariq posted it. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, regarding – if if a a couple is engaged and they break up, should the woman give the ring back? Is it should it be assumed that the ring should just automatically be given back? Um, here's my thoughts on that. You know, my my thoughts on on the ring. <laughs> the ring should absolutely be given back. That should not be something that's kept um, ever. If if the ring the here's the thing a ring ladies is a a symbol and a precursor uh, uh, to marriage it's a symbol of a commitment and a a the process of moving towards marriage so if at whatever point that process ends you would give the ring back why would you hold on to a ring that was given for a specific purpose. It's not just, oh, here, I, here, I want to give you a, a necklace. Or here, I want to give you this bracelet on Valentine's Day just as a symbol of my love. You, well, no, you keep, that's a gift. 
but the ring is given under the pretense of you getting married. Now, I saw many women in the, on, on the group, and just in general, I know a lot of women who feel like, well, I'm not giving that back. You know, I'm keeping it. I'm going to pawn it. And, I mean, you can do which at the end of the day, I mean, unless you feel like going to court and this and that, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to reflect negatively on just you as a whole, but specifically it's going to reflect negatively on you uh, and your level of self-esteem and your level of self-worth and self-value. When you love yourself, when you value yourself, you're not going to feel like you need to hurt that man because the reality is when you give, when you hold on to that, you're trying to hurt him. You're trying to hurt him financially. Or you spent $15,000 on this ring, and now you want to break my heart by calling off this engagement? I'm going to keep the ring. You're trying to hurt him the way that he hurt you. But the reality is when you are a woman of substance, a woman of quality, you, you acknowledge your own value by saying, you know what? We don't have to get married because my value comes from God. You know what I'm saying? My value isn't contingent upon this ring, and it's not even contingent upon you. So here, you take this ring back. I'm going to hurt you more removing myself from your life. I don't need your ring. I don't need to – first of all, I don't even need to hurt you. I'm, in fact, I'm going to wish you the best. That's how you really know you're, you're a woman, of a, a high-quality woman because you're not, that's not even what you're there for. You're not there to hurt. You're there to uplift even when someone – try to tear you down. So just think about this thing. Being vindictive, and I talked about this many years ago when I did my special on, uh, uh, what was that movie, uh, Waiting to Exhale. You know what I'm saying? I talked about when, when uh, Angela Bassett got you know, broken up with and cheated on by her husband, and she did all that crazy stuff. She sold all his stuff. She burned his clothes, and she, sm- he, she smacked up the white, the white chick and what did he say to her? What did he say to her? He didn't want to fight her. He wasn't angry. He said, you know what? Thank you. He said, thank you for making this easy on me. And that's what a lot of women don't understand. They think that busting windows out of cars and acting a fool, they think that that hurts us. But that doesn't, we, that doesn't hurt us. Nothing you can do can hurt a man who doesn't want to be with you to begin with. He just said thank you because it made the detachment process easier. You see what I'm saying? And, ladies, and that's, that's the way. If you really want to get back in a man, just walk away with your head held high and your dignity intact. That's how you do that. So, lastly, I want to, and I got to end the show a little bit early today. I got to, my wife and I have, a, uh, we got the parent-teacher conferences with, with my daughter, so we got to get up there. But I'm going to do this last uh, Ask Day 9 advice question and get on, uh, get on up out of here. But, this is a, a situation where a young woman is writing in because she just wants some advice on, uh, on how to deal with this negative behavior from the guy that she's, she's dealing with in regards to popping up unannounced. <clears throat> Let's see what she has to say. She says, hello, I'm dating a single dad of four children, ages four, five, seven, and eight. Uh, I've been dating him for three months. I've known him for one year. The oldest two of his children's mother was deported back uh, to her country seven years ago, and the youngest two, uh, uh, that mother is in prison serving 15 years. He's a very nice man, 
and everything I've prayed for in terms of being a Christian. We pray together. He treats me like a queen. He opens doors and is always concerned with everything that goes on in my life. However, the one issue that I have with him is he comes by my house unexpectedly. Uh, We live two hours away, and he still pops up whenever he feels the need. He's done this on several occasions, and I'm starting to find it creepy and disrespectful. For example, I told him one day that I was not feeling well and was about to take a nap, and he shows up another time, and he asked, another time he asked, I told him, the weekend would be better, but instead he showed up to my house again with his children. So yesterday, my son had a stomach virus, and he asked if he could come. I told him no because of my son being ill. But he and the children pop up again. Only this time, he did not open my door. I felt so bad for the kids, but I had to do it. I also, uh, but she said, but I, but I didn't open the door. I felt so bad for the kids, I had to do it. I also told him that we need to split up because him popping up is disrespectful. He sits outside of my place for about an hour texting me. Uh, could he just come in and rest for a bit with the kids because he's tired after the drive? Of course I said no. He then tells me that I'm wrong and an evil woman for making he and the kids stand outside for an hour and that God is not pleased with me. Even, he even says that I must have something to hide, which I do not, and that he should be able to come by any time if we were in a relationship because he does not mind if I come to his place no matter the time, day, or hour. Am I wrong for not letting him come by unexpectedly? I have had so many people tell me that I'm wrong and that I should appreciate his concern, but when I honestly feel violated that he uh, did come without calling me first or coming when I already said that particular day was not good, please give me some advice because I cannot date someone like that. Um, Well, I mean, it sounds like she pretty much answered her own question here, you know, as far as what she should do, she said they, they split up, you know, me personally, I wouldn't want to be with a woman who was popping up unannounced, you know, drive bys doing weird things like that. I would want to be with someone who, where there was a healthy level of trust and honesty and commitment, but it seems like this guy is being more, uh, more manipulative. You know, he's, he's driving hours and, you know, with the kids, so it's like kind of forcing her hand to to open the door and to, um, you know, to to that he's forcing her to spend time, and that's not, you know, that's not okay. Um, what I also feel like is going on. This is a very insecure man. This is someone, and we see that a lot in relationships. A lot of, well, just not a lot of times, but in general, men are possessive. Men are territorial. And depending on the situation, I don't know what's going on, it sounds like there may be some reason for him to think, or maybe not, but in many cases there's, you know, some type of maybe an ex or baby's father or whatever who also pops up or spends time, and, you know, that guy may just want to mark his territory to let her know that, hey, look, this is mine, you know, this is my place, this is my environment, and I don't want any other dog sniffing around, so to speak. But either way, like I said, there's no trust there. There's no uh, respect there. There's no honesty. And so it's, you know, 
without any of those things, the communication, there's a breakdown in that area. It, it sounds like they just need to go their separate ways because she's not happy. And he's obviously not content with feeling like she has his back. Um, and so there's there's no relationship there. Um, so that, that's my thoughts on that. Um, one other thing, and I, I told someone I would touch on this for them. They asked me about the whole paying for dates thing. And those of you who, who follow, have followed me over the years have heard me speak about this, you know, on, on countless occasions. But for the newer listeners, just in, in the sense of, you know, this whole Valentine's Day, um, you know, holiday. Listen, I don't have a problem. In fact, she was, a young woman was asking me about a specific situation. Um, she was just saying that he asked me out, and, but then he wanted me to pay for the date and this and that. Or, and here's the thing, ladies. I believe, so I'm going to be clear. If, if, for me, it's not about who invites who. I believe as a man, you, if you take a woman out at, just as a man, you should be prepared to pay for that date. If you don't have enough money to pay for the date about three or four times, you should not be going out on a date. So that means if you're going to a restaurant where you expect to spend around $100, you should be on that date with about $400 in your pocket, you know, minimum, just in case, because you never know what can happen. Um, if you're just going out for drinks, you know, whatever the case is, you want to have a couple hundred dollars in your pocket. But that's just me. I always, if I go out, I'm going to have access to at least several hundred dollars, no matter what, just to be on the safe side. So, but I believe as a man, you should be prepared to pay for the date. It's your responsibility as a man to pay for that date. Let me be perfectly clear about that. I don't believe a, a woman, you know, should go on a date with a man that she's interested in and feel like I'm expected to pay for this date, okay? I want to be very clear about that. I want to just put that disclaimer out there. Paying for a date just from a, a gentleman's standpoint, not a chivalry, because a man paying for a date is not chivalry. That's a whole other conversation about the definition of chivalry I won't get into today, maybe another time. But paying for a date is just what gentlemen do. It's what men do. So aside from that, um, what people, I think, have heard me talk about more than anything is the importance for women to differentiate themselves from the selfish women, the gold diggers, the skeezers, the hoes, the freaks, you know, just the low-quality women of the world. It's very important for quality women, godly women, virtuous women, to differentiate themselves from the not-so-good women of the world. You know, if you want to be taken seriously as a woman, you need to set yourself apart from every other woman that he's ever dated. That's the only way you're going to – you have to be viewed as special. Why would Think about it. Why would a man wife up? and take seriously a woman who's average. If you do the things that every other woman has done, or you don't do the things that every other woman has not done, what incentive is there to treat you differently from those other women? So from now, so here's the question. The question then becomes, as a woman on a first date, 
with someone that you like, someone that you have identified as possibly having a future with, how do you how do you do that? How do you differentiate yourself from these other women on in, in such a, a, a short period of time? How how can you wow him, so to speak? How can you show yourself that you're not selfish? How can you show yourself that you're not a gold digger? You're not one of these freak chicks. You know, these these women who just are are passionate about getting their next come up off of a man. How do you show him you're different? And a lot of you are different, but you don't do anything differently. Some of you are special and would be special in a relationship, but you don't show it. You have an emotional wall up to the point where you're afraid to do anything because you say, well, I've had bad experiences in the, in the past. So if you really ask yourself these questions of how do you do it, my advice, one, as a man, but two, as a husband, as someone who's going on many dates with many average women, my advice would be, you know, show that man. One, if you're, I mean, so many different ways. But if you're looking at it from a financial standpoint and you don't want to be viewed as a gold digger, when that check comes, the waitress says, oh, here you go. Nowadays, they're politically correct. They put the check in the middle. They, back in the day, they used to put it in the, uh, in the, you know, used to hand it to the man. But now with, with women's rights and women equality and all that stuff, they put it in the middle. So it's just like whoever's paying for it pays for it. Why not? And we see women who have, have these, these jobs, these nice cars, these 401Ks. You know, nice bank account, savings account, things like that. Why not pay? You know, why why not show him that hey, I enjoyed tonight, just like you enjoyed yourself. I enjoyed myself as well, and I'd like to have a second date. Why not? You know, show him how much you enjoyed yourself. Hey, this one's on me. You get the next one. Which which one? Watch this. One that tells him that you actually enjoyed yourself. Two, it tells him that you're not a selfish chick. Three, it tells them that you're actually interested in having a second date. If you say, hey, look, you get the next one, that right there tells them, oh, you want, you're interested in a second date and maybe even a third date. But the problem is so many women are, are used to being taken advantage of. They have a wall up. They have a guard up to the point where they don't want to do anything that, that extends themselves, overextends themselves, that they don't do anything. They get their nail file out. When that check comes out, oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go, uh. I'll be, go to the bathroom, you pull your phone out, start checking Facebook. You know what I'm saying? You talk, you, I'll do, some women will do any and everything but look at that check. And then the worst thing you can do, and which is actually worse than not paying, would be you, you, offer, you offer to leave the tip. And so in a lot of y'all, this is one of the most common mistakes that women make. You guys actually think in many cases that that's impressing the men. You think that leaving at a $100 bill, $75 bill, you leave in $5. You put, I've seen women on a, a $75 bill throw, throw $2 out. Some, oh, some here. Here, and, and don't even, please don't ask this. Please do, this is even worse. It's the worst thing you do. Please do not say this. Please do not ask him, do you need, <laughs> y'all know what y'all say, do you need me to leave the tip? Like, do I need you? Like, are you crazy? No, I don't need you to do anything and certainly don't need you to leave $2 on a $75 tip, cheapskate. You know what I'm saying? But what I need is for you to sit there. You know what I'm saying? And, that's, and what a lot of women, they don't understand. 
is that men are – we've already budgeted to pay for it. The, the bill, we already know. Nobody is going to be washing dishes on a, on a first date. So we, whatever the bill is, we got the We don't need the money. We don't. We got the money for the bill. We got the money for the tip. We got the money for for whatever else after that. In some cases, we got the money for the hotel for some of y'all. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but to offer a tip, <laughs> I apologize. That you know. But for some people, that's really the case. But the reality is, don't insult us by assuming that we are going to be paying for it, even though it's it's a it's. You should not assume that you're paying either. But to assume that it's automatically our responsibility and you're totally oblivious to the fact that a $100 bill has been placed in front of you, that, would, that sends the wrong message. That are, are you wrong? No. But is that going to do anything to increase your chances of being viewed in a special manner? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You will be viewed the way he's viewed 99% of these other women in his past, and most likely he'll move on to someone who he views to be special. So that's just my thoughts on it. That has always – I've been doing this a very long time. I've been ta- having this debate for 20 years. I've been having it here on the show for about 12 years. You know what I'm saying? But longer, than, way longer than that, women have been debating me and fighting with me going back to Black Planet and Facebook and, and MySpace. Oh, man, it goes all the way back. Oh, I should, I would never pay for a date, and these niggas out here is cheap, and I ain't paying for nothing. That's fine. Y'all pay for that weed, but you won't pay for a date to show a man that you had a good time? So what kind of wife would you be? What kind of girlfriend would you be? What makes you worthy of getting a ring? And you're, you're blatantly telling me, you wouldn't. You don't think you should pay for anything. Let, here's one thing, last thing. No man wants a selfish woman. The only you can't just tell a man, ladies, that you're not selfish. It, it doesn't work. You have to show us you're not selfish. That's it. It's plain and simple. Everybody's not selfish. Ever you can ask anybody. You can ask anybody you want to ask. Hey, are you a selfish woman? Oh no, I'm not selfish. I'm generous. Well, when I got a man, isn't that a but it's not about when you got a man. It's about how you get a man. You got to show him. If you want, think about it. If you want to be a girlfriend, you got to show him that you would be a good girlfriend. If you want to be a wife, you got to show him that you would make a great wife. How do you do that? I got to stop being selfish. So that's just my thoughts. Guys, I'm going to wrap it up. I want to thank you all for listening in today, just to hear me tune in, uh, in to hear me talk about, let's say, whatever it's politics, Panther, gun control, all of these things are important. And I just want to further the conversation. So a lot of these things that we heard today, unfortunately, are not being talked about on a large scale. And they're all very important issues that need to be addressed, in my opinion. So, uh, guys, like I said earlier, order my copy, order your copy of my novel, The Love We Had, right on Kindle today. Check it out and look out for my new book, Redefining Greatness, The Virtuous Woman's Guide to Love, a little bit later on this year. Thanks, guys, for listening, and I will see you uh, next week with most likely. I'm not sure if I'll see you by then or not. These ticket sales are kind of crazy, but uh, as soon as I see uh, Black Panther, I'll be doing a full uh, analyzation of the film, and uh, we'll come back and talk about it. So, all right, guys, I will see you guys 
next week at uh, every week at twelve, every Thursday, twelve o'clock. I'll see you next time. Hey, I'm